0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back in from the Lions 24-7 Podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz. And for the to- final time here in 2021, following a Big Ten game, it is a post-game podcast edition of the Lions 24-7 Podcast. Penn State falling on the road 30-27 to 27 in East Lansing. Michigan State scoring the first 14 points of this matchup then taking advantage of some momentum-swinging moments in the late third quarter, fourth quarter to seize control of this one. Sean, 7-5 and is the final result for a team that soared to 5-0 and in a number four spot in early national rankings and clearly falling far short of the expectations that we had midseason. Five losses in the final seven games, and for the first time since 03-04, it's back-to-back losing seasons in the Big Ten for consecutive years for these Nittany Lions.
1: Yeah, just turning on a dime in that Iowa game. You can uh, pin it down to one play, and that's where you find yourself uh, starting the tailspin. Now, they, they did gather themselves, and you thought maybe down the stretch you got a couple of wins there. You got a couple of, of quality games, but uh, could not do that on Saturday in East Lansing. Obviously, the conditions not not uh, ideal for anybody, including Michigan State, so you don't have that excuse to, to fall back on. But uh, this one, 30-27, uh Wrote here, a real snowblower of a game, and there was the, plenty of that to go around. It was not uh, not great. Michigan State, who was uh, uh, rumored to be ridden with the flu, um, as Penn State was last week, did not seem to, to have as many ill effects. They seem to be actually pretty close to full strength. Kenneth Walker played. Jalen Reed both played. Both of them had a profound impact on the game. Penn State didn't have Rasheed Walker due to injury. Went back to Sean Clifford this week, but... Uh, eventually, came up short. Uh, it was uh, it was back and forth pretty much all game, but uh,
0: Penn State couldn't get out and make the plays when they needed to. It was pretty fascinating how this one played out early because look, Stephen Brooks set uh, set the stage for a pretty underwhelming uh, performance from the Spartans, and to their credit, they did not deliver one of those 14 points in the first uh, first quarters first quarter of this game. And and you look back at the first 11 matchups for Penn State this season, they did not allow a single touchdown to the opposing offense and they gave up two in the first nine minutes, I believe it was of this contest on Saturday. You're thinking, okay, well, maybe they're the team that gets steamrolled. I had mentioned a lot, where's momentum? How could that play? What's the motivation going to be like if a team gets out to an early lead? Will the other team respond? And Penn State did. Jahan Dotson helped them do that. A couple big plays as usual, uh, putting the finishing touches on his big 10 career. But ultimately Sean, when the game mattered most, um, really all three phases of Penn State failed them. And that short yardage, rushing inability that has plagued this team since the first quarter of game one at Wisconsin reared its ugly head again in a couple key moments. And uh, James Franklin pointed out very quickly today when the question came up, the year's not over yet, but at least they finished the season, the regular season here, without producing a 100-yard rusher. I don't know if that would have saved the day today, But it is noteworthy through 12 games, 10 of them power five opponents, two of them not. No. 100 yard rusher over the course of this season uh for Penn State and first year offensive coordinator Mike Ursich. Yeah, it's noteworthy. It's a,
1: it's pretty unbelievable to think about it. I mean, just there there's games when, you know, you you don't even feel like you're productive on the ground, but you still Penn State has in the past has managed to to push over a 100 yard rusher to go 12 games in a row. Um, you know, there's some good defenses on the schedule but not good enough to 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 keep Penn State from going uh, under 100 yards every single week. I mean, that's just kind of ridiculous when you think about it. Um, but back to this one, I mean, it, Michigan State looked like they were about to roll early, as you said, went up 14-0, outgained Penn State 175-9 to on the first three drives of the game, the first three back and forths of the game. Um, Penn State punted on fourth and a foot, but it actually worked out pretty well. Um, you know, I did, didn't like the decision to to punt it at the first place, but when Drew Hartlob knocks it out of bounds at about the half-yard line, you're thinking of, oh, yeah that's one you can give here um but they gave up a 99 yard touchdown drive and went down 14 nothing so that's not how you convert good field position from your your, your punter uh, penn state was able to re- regroup however they went to the air and that's where they had success and and save that one for later cuz we're going to come back to it many times uh, clifford hit shaun uh, jahan dotson on back to back plays they go down you know 14 to 7 defense settles in the offense ties the game so you're back on even footing there 14-14 um, a little bit into the second quarter and you're actually feeling pretty good about the way that you're playing and given what you've seen from or heard from michigan state in terms of the injuries in terms of the flu and in terms of things like that you may be thinking you're about to break me i know it's a tie game but you're, you're in a position where you've got the momentum and you can go out and you can sort of impose your will um this is where it gets to um The frustrating part and pretty much the story of the season for Penn State. James Franklin said two weeks ago that you can pick out about four to six plays for any given week. And if you make those plays, you can win those games and you can, you know, beat pretty good teams. Michigan State, not a tremendous team, a a pretty solid team across the board, but not uh, not a playoff team. I don't think anybody's debating that, especially after last week against Ohio State. Penn State did not make those plays on Saturday once again. And that's why they're seven and five
0: they had a great uh, opportunity that that looked like they were going to take advantage of their late in, in the second half not only had they rallied there with a couple John Dotson touchdowns but the whole you know world was opening for their passing game like we thought it might considering Michigan State entered this matchup giving up the most yards per pass uh you know, per, per game uh, through the through the air than anyone in FBS football and, and you think, okay, well, here it goes. It's not just John Dotson; it's the Lambert, Smith getting involved a bit. Parker Washington making another fantastic catch during uh, that second touchdown drive, and felt like, okay, Penn State can probably go back to this. Well, the, the snow is a factor, but they are exploiting them through the air, um, and, and it also looked like Penn State was about to take that uh, seventeen, take the seventeen points to halftime, right, and get the ball uh, for the first possession of the second half, and yet. Jordan Stout uh, called upon, and, and after the timeout, they wanted to milk all the time that they could, Franklin explained it, so Michigan State wouldn't have a lot to work with, but Stout missing the 27-yard field goal, he has a, a at least one miss uh, from the field goal range in five different Big Ten matchups, and, and now four of them have been narrow losses, Sean, so That has been an issue. He has been exceptional as a punter. He was only asked to punt three times today. Uh, He did a nice job downing that with some help from his gunners. But as a place kicker, and we actually saw Jake Pinniger handling the the very final snap of place kicking duties today on an extra point late. Unfortunately, Jordan Stout has fallen short of expectations that you maybe thought that you would have for him, considering he knocked away a three-year starter in Jake Pinniger for that job.
1: Well, you, you remember what he's done for Penn State since he's been here. He's absolutely been phenomenal in terms of the, the, the facets, the punting facet, the, the kickoff uh, facet, and then the long range field goal. The short range are the ones that are just giving them the trouble. I mean, you you missed the short one against uh, I believe it was Wisconsin to start the season, and it's just been I don't know if it's angles, I don't know what the deal is. I I know a lot of people have been talking about icing the kicker or whatever, but it seemed like that tight end or excuse me that timeout uh, before the half was to to run as much clock down as possible and then have him kick the field goal, maybe clean it off a little bit. I mean, there's there's nothing about that kick that says. That it was a mental thing or anything, he just flat out missed it. I mean, you know that that was that, and that's the frustrating part with Jordan Stout. Before we got to that play, however, there was another uh, uh, another situation the sack. Uh, well, no, actually, before like when Penn State, when <laughs> Michigan State had the ball, because Michigan State went up seventeen to fourteen with their own field goal um on a drive, and this is the this is the game right here. I mean, this is this is not. Um, not just one play or anything like that, but Michigan State nine of eighteen on third downs, three of four on fourth downs. So okay, fifty percent on third downs, uh, but th- those three big th- uh, fourth down conversions where you lost, where you eventually lost the game. They got a fourth and six after a penalty. It was fourth and one. They got fourth and six after the penalty. Uh, uh, Thorn hit Connor Hayward on a middle screen. Bad tackling led to a field goal. That's you know that's really that's three points in itself. We talk about the missed field goal, but you know, Michigan State had an opportunity, they converted on it, Penn State did not. We'll go, go through those numbers again, 9 of 18 on 3rd down, 3 of 4 on 4th down. But the funny thing about that is you look deeper into those numbers, and it's even worse, because Michigan State's average uh, to go on 3rd down was 7.5, so it was 3rd and 7.5. And they averaged 10.1 yards per play on 3rd down which is insane when you think about it. They're 10 of 14 passing for 171 yards. That does not include the fourth down touchdown oh that we'll get to God. as another play. Uh, Penn state five of 13 on third downs, three of six on third and short 4.8 yards per play on third down. They actually had a better third down scenario uh, down a distance situation than uh, Michigan state did on Saturday. So you want to boil your game into into one theme. That's really what it, what it was. As Michigan State got it done on third and fourth downs, Penn State certainly did not.
0: Those are some numbers. Those are usually the numbers that I throw on the, up on this podcast and bring everybody down. But you did a nice job there, and I like how you note the ten to fourteen for pa, uh, passing on for one hundred and seventy one yards. That's third down. That's not the fourth down twenty yard touchdown throw on fourth and fifteen. Which wow, what what a, what a backbreaker that was. But these were the backbreaking moments, and it felt like so many of these. Third, fourth down situation, Sean, on both sides of the football, and deciding whether you're going to punt or how you want to approach a fourth and short or a third and short. A lot of that was happening between the 40s and and determining who was going to control the field position. And we I don't, saw I don't know how you could tell, by the way. Oh yeah, it was it was very somewhere you know I'm assuming somewhere in the middle of the field. It was very difficult watching uh, through the snow, but ultimately we we saw some aggressive play calls on each side of the uh, each side of this contest and. Uh, I got to give Thorne some credit here. Um, He did get his running back, and and Kenneth Walker handled 30-plus touches today but Thorne made those throws on third down and they kept them clean. That's something that, that Penn state struggled to do with Sean Clifford in some key moments today. Uh, they were able to get after him, uh, f- uh, bring him down for some, force some ill-advised uh, endings to some of those past scenarios. Whereas I thought Peyton Thorne kept his eyes downfield and things opened up for him and, and, and he was able to find those guys. Connor Hayward had a huge play, as you said, I think on fourth and six, um, but, but it, it was just kind of one play after the next and, You're wondering, hey, why can't the Penn State defense make a play? But we wondered if Peyton Thorne could rise up and make some plays himself today. And facing the snow and facing a Penn State defense that's done a really quality job all season long, I got to give their quarterback some credit. And Michigan State in this matchup during this recent series, when they have struggled against Penn State, it's because they have not gotten quality quarterback play.
1: Yeah, and that's a that, that's one that I will bring back a little bit to Penn State is you you didn't get the pressure. No sacks today. There were a couple of times when they got around Peyton Thorne, but as you mentioned, he was slippery. He got away. Um he was tough to bring down, even when even on design runs, he was tough to bring down. So credit to him for for being a gamer and going out and doing that stuff. But um no pressure. I am not sure. And I wrote I wrote it down here a little bit later that Brent Price seemed to be uh, calling the game with uh, with the hope that the elements would would really help him out. Um, Penn State rushed three guys, rushed four guys, didn't really get uh, all that much pressure there, and then maybe was hoping to get a slip, maybe get a ball tipped up in the air or something like that. They did get a pick six, which is part of those plays. Um, you know, you came out of halftime, you're down down three, and then DaQuan Hardy gets a pick six and gives you the lead, and that's where you think maybe this thing could turn its turn on its head. But just not enough pressure across the board today from Penn State, and 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 some of that is on the front four because you, you trust those guys to try and get home, and um, you know some of that is not bringing the second level pressure that we've been accustomed to seeing from Brett Pry.
0: Yeah, I apologize. I skipped right over that, that that crucial Michigan State go-ahead drive that that broke the 14-14 tie and went right into. I know what a lot of people were focusing in on was the missed field goal at the end of that second quarter. Um, but the, the big missed opportunity, as you said, you know you don't get that you don't get the opportunity to sandwich those possessions end of the second quarter into the first under the second half. I'm sorry, and it didn't matter. I mean, you still got away with it because. You come up with this pick six for Hardy off of a really poor throw from, from Peyton Thorne, a bad decision. And then you're thinking, okay, Penn State sees control here. Do we see the best of Michigan State in the first quarter? They got their punches. Are they a team right now? Is fatigue going to play a role? They've got the flu issues. They've got some injury issues. Is that going to play a role here? And, and ultimately, Penn State offensively, couldn't put themselves in a position to gain separation and then couldn't put themselves in, in a situation to overcome the deficit once Michigan State was able to get back on the board. So what we've talked about all year is Penn State's running game, how you
1: could not trust it. You could not go with that. This was the day to, to abandon the running game. I know the, the the snow was out there, but the wind was not really a factor. And that's really what's going to change the, uh, the passing game. The, the worst possible thing I think could have happened uh, for Penn State's running game is they had moderate success. So Kevon Lee takes a carry six yards. He takes a carry three yards. All of a sudden, you've got third and one. This offensive line, especially the interior, has not moved anyone off the ball a year. And then all of a sudden, you've got third and one. You've got fourth and one. Um, we saw that uh, on the Michigan State 16. Noah Harvey made a stop on Kevon Lee that really didn't have a chance. I mean, they that interior offensive line, they got whipped. I mean, they just got flat out beat. Um, not due to numbers. Michigan State was saying, "Here, run the ball, go for it. We, we'll put we'll put five or six guys in the box, and, and and you can beat us a little bit at a time." Because with Penn State's running game and Penn State's running backs, I don't think there was any threat of them getting beat big. You know, there was a 33 yard run by Kevon Lee, an 18 yard run by Kevon Lee. But nobody was, you know, going to beat Kenneth Walker and run away from everybody. So I think that's the frustrating thing: is they were just having enough success on the ground to give themselves some confidence that they could pick up those short yarded situations. And as we've seen all year, they did not. I mean, that's that that's, uh, that that interior has been that uh, they've certainly. I, I'd say they've seen better days, but I'm not sure if that they that they have Mike Miranda. Um, I just. You you don't see too many highlights from his season to see, uh, and I feel bad saying that, but it's it's been it's been rough to watch.
0: You're going to see a lot of Penn State offensive linemen on the draft day highlights for Big Ten defenders next April. Unfortunately, that's the way it's going to go after this season. Added did that on this afternoon, early evening in East Lansing, and, and there was a, a bit of a change up there in the second half. Sean, we saw Landon Tengwall enter, enter the contest, playing some left tackle. That's where Bryce Eftner uh, had started the matchup with Rasheed Walker out for the second consecutive game. Walker did travel with the program up to Michigan State. He was out there with the team, but did not suit up. Um, so look, we, we saw Miranda back in at center. That meant Ju Scruggs back at right guard. Uh, Eric Wilson was still your left left guard, and, and Caden Wallace at right tackle. So, same old, same old, minus Rashid Walker, and unfortunately, same old, same old, and how the scenarios played out. There was a moment there where Miranda was looking for help on the first offensive possession on third down for Penn State in the second half, and looked to uh, his right. Ju Scruggs was about four yards away, handling another defender, and. Sean Clifford got swallowed up in the backfield, and you had offensive linemen looking back at him, kind of wondering what just went wrong. And, man, that that has played out time and time again for Penn State. The communication issue, uh, it feels like the interior going all the way back to the earliest stages of this Wisconsin matchup, just unable to handle some of these stunts. And and for whatever reason, uh, when that turns into a sieve, Sean Clifford right now – He's a bullseye, and and he's a guy that just is not capable of carrying your offense uh, as a runner. And yeah, you know, we saw that again today.
1: Yeah, and and he ha- hangs on the ball too long. I mean, you've he, got that as well. I mean, he he made a, it's a tremendous play habit, habit, at the habit. very end. I think the the frustrating part about watching this team week in and week out is you see elements of that tape from the Wisconsin game, as you mentioned with, uh, with the stunts and things like that, the Illinois game with the running game that trying to uh, backfold and and do some things where they, they, you know, force you to pursue. And and that's been a problem for Penn state. Um, So I just think that that's the frustrating thing is you keep seeing these things pop up and that's, you know, something you can throw at the coaches, something you throw at the players. I mean, God knows there's enough blame to be thrown around today. I've got a really, really long rundown here, uh, much longer than we usually do for a post game, but uh, you know, it's not all on the offense this time. So I guess that maybe helps with that. Um, But yeah, you've got Penn state in a situation where they feel like maybe they're, they're confident in running the ball. You had the the, the drive after the fourth and one where they got stoned. You had the same situation. Kevon Lee got nine yards. They couldn't get 10 and then, and then he fumbled and that's uh um really just an unbelievable turn of events and uh that 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 set the stage for the biggest play in the game and i know that uh, you know y- y- you talk about uh you talk about the stops and you talk about some of this th- these things but fourth and 15 on the 20 from a, for a team against or a team like michigan state that runs the ball so well and they're fine passing the ball but that's not where your big threat is and your strength is your secondary and you hit uh, Jaden Reed for a 20-yard touchdown. Great throw, great catch. Coverage was okay, but just can't happen.
0: No, that was, I mean, do you think about it? fourth and 15, that that big Lucetta um, bringing him down for a loss of eight, I think it was. And normally you think, okay, well, that's going to probably make them bring, send out the field goal unit. But then you remember they had no field goal unit at this stage, especially from beyond extra point range, it seemed for the Spartans. So it really felt like this is going to be a Hail Mary from the 20, uh, which is not something you normally see. And they pulled it off. And it was a hell of a throw, a hell of a catch. John Dixon got posterized, unfortunately for him, but that's the way it worked out in that scenario. And when you think about the the, the couple touchdown drives here that they were able to orchestrate, obviously that is the play you're going to remember for a long time from a sparring to match in this matchup, but they had that. Really, really long drive, Sean, uh, mm-hmm. to, to, to take the lead in this matchup. After the pick six, I thought it was a strong response. You think you might have this Michigan State offense figured out, putting the pressure on them. Very next play after the pick six, Kenneth Walker goes for 27 yards. He wasn't getting you 10, 12 yards every single carry, but he had his moments in this game, and he certainly made made all the difference that you would anticipate, him being available versus maybe not being available like we talked about. But at the end of, of the This drive, um, they score off the uh, pass interference. Another one on Joey Porter Jr. It took a couple. I know that's become a a real thorn in the side of a lot of people, uh, including this defensive backfield, I'd imagine. Unfortunately, it's been popping up time and time again, and uh, that ended up breathing some fresh life into Michigan State's um, opportunity there. It was third and 13 play. Pass interference is thrown, and uh, three plays later, you've got Thorne getting pushed into the end zone with some help from his teammates, and that was a lead they would not relinquish. That drive, I thought, while it was a great response from the Spartans, really difficult because there were several moments. There was a fourth and three, a third and 14, a third and 12, a third and 13. Penn State couldn't get off the field defensively. And going to your point, Michigan State continued to convert in those key situations. And to me, that's where it became clear, nope. Penn State's not going to take the momentum and run with it after that pick six. They're going to have to go back and forth and exchange some blows uh, with this Michigan State squad. The Spartans had a few more haymakers. Penn State ran out of them pretty fast.
1: Yeah, and it's not just you know third and thirteen, and, and you're giving up a fifteen yard pass or something like that. Michigan State putting them in position to get a third and or to get a fourth and five or a fourth and six out of that, and then picking up the yards that they need. So Michigan State, to their credit, did a lot of good things uh, to convert on those downs and, and really made, went out and made the plays. You, I think you inadvertently made a point uh, as well about uh, Penn State when talking about Michigan State's field goal unit, uh, where they did not go for the uh, did not go for the field goal from the twenty. That was kind of the same situation with, with Penn State when they were on the 16, fourth and one. Typically, you kick a field goal in that situation, a 33-yarder, which is certainly doable. Um, Penn State just did not have the confidence in their kicking game. Uh, they missed the extra point. Uh, that, that was after the the hardy pick six, I believe. Um, so, yeah, you, you don't have much confidence in Jordan Stout. You eventually switch to Jake Pinnegar, but that certainly played a role into uh, making that decision, going forward on fourth and one, getting stoned. Um, and, and then the next drive when Kevon Lee fumbled, I mean, you just kind of it, 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 all this stuff just kind of picks up dust and, and keeps going and keeps going and snowballs its way. And then all of a sudden you've got basically a, a, a total collapse because you give up the fourth and 15 on the for, well, you give up a 20 yard score. Then uh, John Lovett, who has turned into a liability, mm. Um, mm. I, I, I feel bad saying it. Um, but has turned into a liability for Penn State because he can't hold on to the football. Um, you know, just basically diving into a pile, following the ball. Um, and there goes your clock. I mean, Michigan State didn't score, but there goes the the opportunity that you would have had to uh, to 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 get it back and to make put yourself into a normal comeback situation.
0: It was just a, a stretch of adversity that Penn State just couldn't dig itself out of. And and at every turn something was going wrong. And and it was that that fourth and 15 throw, of course. That was the ultimate backbreaker, but to follow that up directly by the fumble, and to have that preceded, uh, and, and that being the, the fourth and fifteen touchdown, preceded by that third and one fumble, um, and 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 just moments before, you've got Kevon Lee getting stuffed again inside the the red zone. You come up empty in the red zone again, um, and it just felt like what four to six plays. James Franklin said, were, th- that, "Were they zero for four, zero for six on the trying to make those plays today?" It felt like it.
1: I mean it it's tough to say because you can you can lump the hardy um thing in there you can lump oh, the, yeah, right. the, yeah, you, know, yeah. you know the touchdowns to dots and the the problem is that we're we're only going to see the plays they didn't make and lump them mm-hmm. in there as the as plays they didn't make so there, there were plays that they made um getting back to 14-14 was huge um you know the pick six was there um but yeah there, there were definitely more plays that, that Michigan State went out and made happen and Penn State did not and that's that's your theme of the game right there so and, um, and they also
0: did hit the brakes I mean it, it, it was running downhill running away from them and at 30 to 20, you cough up the ball with that John Lovett kickoff fumble. And yet you come up with a stop. Kenneth Walker runs the ball three straight times and, and he can't move the chains. Um and you gave your defense, you give your offense a chance. It took a while for them to score and, and get that touchdown late. But I think you know that was a nice at least a response there from the defense to get the ball back and, and give your team a chance. But four minutes left going from your own 23 and then starting up backed up on that drive with Sean Clifford to went back from the the abyss of of an offensive possession to a touchdown with about 50 seconds to go it just was too much i mean it was just too big of a hole to to dig themselves out of in this matchup sean and and it was surprising to see them face a 10-point hole because it just felt like a game where penn state one way or the other i just had a feeling they were going to handle their business and maybe that's because i picked them to win by 11 so i was giving them the benefit of the doubt but the further and further along it went it's I, i was thinking if this Michigan State team was supposed to show up and, and not be ready to go uh well they didn't get the memo because they showed up and, and they made the plays they needed to and ultimately that in the clutchest moments of this matchup they looked like the 10-win team Penn State looked like a seven-win team Las Vegas got this one wrong and, and so do we
1: yeah and, and the, the thing about that Penn State hasn't had an Avalanche collapse like that they they've no. had bad games I mean they've they've been a bad football team at times this year, but it hasn't been where you just stack up missed opportunity or turnover or something like that. And you know, that, that, that's kind of what happened today and, and it got away from them. You mentioned the late stop turning into a touchdown, you know, a touchdown drive. We haven't seen a ton of that either this year. I mean, the, complementary complimentary uh, football aspect has been, has been very much off for Penn state. So that's, that's been frustrating to see. Um, but uh, you've got a situation there and I'm, I'll go back to the offense because it's probably the easiest ones to go after, but Penn State's a passing team. Penn State is a, is a team that has had all of, his, of, of its offensive success, which has been fairly limited. Uh, you know, let's be honest here. You put up some stats afterwards that, you know, this has not been a very good offense, but when they've been clicking, it's been big plays through the passing game. They did that with Jahan Dotson in the first half. I thought Parker Washington played a good game. Britton Strange got back involved today. So some some good things from the passing game. And then you just get a little bit of confidence in that running game, which is obviously subpar, um, especially going against a a team like Michigan State that runs the football so well. And you just completely abandon it for two straight drives. And you you can't you can't do that. Mike Yersich has got to know better than that.
0: Yeah, Jahan Dotson, eight catches, 137 yards, two touchdowns, 11 targets according to the official stat sheet. Um, I don't think he had enough for Parker Washington, five targets, four catches for 60 yards. Felt, felt like there was some opportunities left on the table for his day. There's a lot of involvement for Kevon Lee here, Sean. 20 total touches on the day for him. He got to, uh, let's say, 112 total yards with those touches. Practically nobody else out of that offensive backfield was utilized. Um, but this is a team Michigan state doesn't matter who they were really playing this year. They were lit up downfield and you saw it happening again in the second quarter um, as, as Penn state was, was starting to pile up their own points, I guess late first, early second. I, I don't know. That was the question I was asked a few times in the post game. Why, why did he get away from, from, from going downfield with the pass attack? Why, why did he, you know? And, and he said, I wanted to mix in the running game, wanted to mix in the running game. And we've heard that from Franklin, uh, you know, really cross, this entire season, even mentioning it a few times on the headset, trying to make sure that, that Mike Yurcich uh, is mixing in that running game. But um, I don't know. I look at Sean Clifford's stats, 23 of 34, 313, three touchdowns, no interceptions. A lot of that was helped by that last drive where they went a long way and relied on Clifford's uh, arm, but he didn't turn the ball over today, Sean. And uh, you know, I, I think that is a big thing for me that they go on the road, not, not get a turnover from Sean Clifford and, and, and you're, it looked like you're able to get freed up in space with some of your wide receivers. And yet we're talking about the ground game <laughs> and when we're talking about the inability to, to move the chains in key spots um, and deja vu, it's just deja vu over and over and over. And it just, it's its hard to kind of say that you saw meaningful progression um, from this offense in some very, very distinct areas um, over the course of the second half of this season as the losses started to pile up.
1: Yeah, we we had some criticism for Mike Yersich a couple of weeks ago where and actually the whole staff where it looked as if they were trying to out coach everyone around them and just make the just be the, <clears throat> the smartest guy in the room. Um I don't think he tried to do that today, but you, when you try to establish your offense as something that it isn't and clearly isn't and hasn't been and clearly was not going to be, that's when you that's that's when you get in trouble. I mean, they 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 sort of reverse the script that we're used to, but I mean, the script that we were used to probably would have worked. It worked when you used it today, when you were throwing the throwing the ball around. Like I said, Dotson, Washington, those guys uh, certainly came up big for Penn State in, in certain spots. I, I know you had some stats um, after the game in terms of average points and things like that, but – the offense, man, it just uh, completely fell short. And really, for for the fifth time this season, or probably the fourth time this season, you're probably expecting a loss against Ohio State. But for the fourth time this season, you found yourself in a position where you get a late score. You get, uh, you, you get four, or excuse me, you get seven instead of three or, or something like that. And you put yourself in a position to win a ball game. And yet again, Penn State, now seven and five. Yet again, you just keep falling back on the same
0: thing. Yeah, and I, I know there's been a lot of offensive coordinators here lately. Uh, what is it, three in the last four years right now? Um, but I guess three in the last three years um, and, and four in the last six. But when you look at, at uh, names aside, just do uh, just look at the resume a little bit here and what 2021 has looked like. And there's a lot more numbers you can throw it at, and there's a lot more flattery numbers I'm sure that you can find from Mike Yersich. But these are just some kind of nuts and bolts numbers that, you know, kind of define whether a team's going to have success or not. Penn State did not produce 30-plus offensive points in any of its 10 games against a Power 5 opponent uh, this season, Sean. Penn State lost its five games going to 7-5 by a total of 21 combined points. In those losses offensively, the Lions scored 20 points, 24 points, 17 points, 20 points, and 18 points, and that 18-point performance required nine overtime periods to get to 18 And as we know, and as we've we've kind of alarmingly referenced earlier, no 100-yard rusher out of this offensive backfield in 12 total games. Buzz aside, recruiting aside, track record aside, past quarterbacks aside, past offenses aside, look at what we've got in a vacuum of time here for Penn State's offense in 2021 and remind yourself about the move that was made in January, why it was made, and you get here and you wonder, how does James Franklin really feel about how things went down about his offense and what exactly was he looking for and how much did he impact maybe what we saw? I think that's a lot of what people are wondering. How much was this Mike Yersich? How much was this Mike Yersich blended with a little James Franklin or a lot of James Franklin? And at the end of the day, I think you look at what Kirk Chiraca did. You look at Ricky Ronnie did. did. It's hard not to, to view this one and, and kind of think, wow, what a thud of a year. Sean Clifford took some steps forward, but kind of finished, you know, uh, not you. you we are not talking about Sean Clifford week twelve the way we wore week five by any stretch of the imagination. And as I said a few weeks ago, it's not enough right now for James Franklin and Mike Yurcich, especially since Sean Clifford is twenty three and and we think probably leaving the program. Not really enough to say hang your hat and say it was a success. Look what we do with Sean Clifford from year one to year or from year three to year four in his career. That to me is not enough. And and as I said, Jahan Dotson. He is a cheat code for any offensive coordinator. He's going to do big things for any offensive coordinator. Parker Washington did Parker Washington things. I just have a hard time looking across the offense and, and finding tangible evidence, Sean, where you can feel really good that everything was validated. The decision to dump Kirk Shiraka, bring in Mike Yursich. And, and if your response is Mike Yursich was the guy he wanted the year before, then I'm even more concerned why didn't it work out.
1: Yeah, I, I see where you're going with that, but I, I, I know that Yurcich does actually have a track record that, that he works with. And sure. to me, his him him flipping Sean Clifford was just it's amazing because it doesn't make sense. If you flip Sean Clifford, you you should be able to flip the offense, and that's not what happened. Um, so I'm I'm not sure what the answer is there. And I think you're going more big picture than I'm looking at, but what I'm looking at here is you got a seven and five football team that's that's yeah. lost four games, four one possession games, and those are you know for for a team that has a defense as good as this team, that's 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 where it falls back on Mike Yersich right there. And of course it's got to fall back on James Franklin. Um just gonna you know, do a rundown here. We've got some personnel to to get to, whether it's coaches, players, whatever. Um, but starting I guess we'll start with Yersich, we already did that. Um, but Franklin, they weren't ready to go. And that's, you know, that's that's an indictment on that guy. Um, you know, you, you you talk about the contract extension and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you're coming off of a shutout win and things like that. But you went down 14 nothing on the road to a team that, you know, there's been a lot of things swirling about their health. And did you read too much into that? Did you did you pay too much attention to the flu stuff and start preparing for, um, you know, situation uh L and K down the line instead of A and B with Kenneth Walker and Jalen Reed. So, I mean, it, it, it's really a, a tough. Um, you know, that there, there's plenty of things that you I think you come across with Franklin, but it's going to start with you went down fourteen nothing in a game that you know you probably should have been on even footing for for most of that time. And if you're on even footing in the first quarter you probably having a different conversation at the end of the game. So that to me is my big thing with Franklin. Um you know, you can combine him and Yursich in terms of you know trying to establish yourself as a running team or not not even establishing yourself as a running team but trying to get by as a running team um rather than you know taking these taking these guys to get the ball to Jahan. It sounds you know it sounds really easy because they made it look easy at times and he's been really good about that and it's been it's been tough to watch. So those two guys in the offensive side of the ball uh need to do better have to figure something out james franklin was asked by by our mark brennan actually after the game about looking at his offensive staff and looking at his staff as a whole seeing if he needed to make changes he kind of sidestepped that didn't really talk about it but it's something worth looking at i don't i don't think they're going to dump your after a year um but you look at uh the offensive line as clearly underperformed um you know ty uh, is probably uh, a guy that you look to as the easiest to jettison but i mean you know, tight ends have been not as good as we expected them to be, but not the reason that Penn State has lost uh, four games by one one score. Um. Going beyond that, Brent Pry, as I mentioned earlier, maybe coached against the conditions or with the conditions. There wasn't as much pressure. Maybe letting the trying to trying to let the quarterback make a mistake. He almost got it to work. I mean, it, it did work with a pick six, um, but then it busted. You know, late in the game, really came back and and you know you 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 play these close games and you find yourself in situations where your margin of error is much smaller than it should have been because your offense can't put points on the board.
0: No sacks. Um... Very few quarterback hurries. I'm I'm not sure how many they actually tallied over the course of this game, but very few uh, in the matchup. And um, I mean, you talk about this, Sean. It comes down to these, you know, close possession games, three points, four points. The the biggest margin was nine points. I think that's going to lead a lot of people after those kind of matchups to look at the very top, and it's James Franklin and. A lot of folks coming out of this one. If you were waiting to see what happened against Michigan State to determine whether you were in favor or against of James Franklin sticking around for a 10-year contract, it's probably the wrong conversation to have. But, I mean, isn't this ultimately a referendum on James Franklin? Hey, the contract is there. Clearly the stability is there. He's got the security. But isn't the expectation across the fan base right now that it's going to be a very difficult look in the mirror in the next few weeks and potentially a very awkward introductory to the offseason coming off of a season like this. And I say awkward because of the conversations that are going to be required with a lot of these seniors who may want to stick around some of them. A lot of these coaches, not a lot, but a few of these coaches who James Franklin was very excited to bring on board in the past year or two. And those are the kind of conversations that I know James Franklin at 5-0 and probably didn't dream he'd be having in December, but that's really what it's going to require, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you, you're in a situation where you – Lost five games for the second year in a row, and I know you know COVID is COVID year is COVID year, but still seven and five is is short of expectations. Four and five in the Big Ten, and I know how they got there was was unenviable, especially with the injury to Clifford in the middle of the season, and these games that you should have won. But at the end of the day, games that you should have won are still losses. You know it's, uh, that's really when you look back on it, there's not much you can do um, to to change that and spin that and 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 find it uh, find yourself going off in another direction um player stuff today as we wrap up here uh jordan stout's a wonderful punter a tremendous kickoff man hasn't gotten it done as a field goal kicker i mean it's been it's been tough to watch you know missing the short ones when you're talking about this guy was a certainly a bomber and and did some special things early in his career uh maybe all three was too much uh maybe you go to pinnaker even though you've uh you've redshirted him he's still got four games to play I, I don't know. That's That's been tough to watch. Uh, Sean Clifford, uh, as you mentioned, 23 of 34, 313 and three touchdowns. Held on to the ball too long a couple of times, took four sacks. Um, thought he held back a couple of times when he can scr- when he scrambled. And, and, and really, this has been the second half of the season for Sean Clifford is a, a cautious approach to a lot of things. And that's not how Sean Clifford plays. And that's not when Sean Clifford is at his best.
0: And was this it for Sean Clifford in the Big Ten? The Time will tell. I think we'll know pretty soon. They've got a bowl game coming up. Obviously, no Christian Veyu involved um, on the field today, and he's a guy who stirred some imagination last week. So uh, we'll find out. But uh, if, if it was um, a heck of a drive uh, and it required some, some scrambling, but you're right. This was the second-half version of Sean Clifford. It wasn't 2020 Sean Clifford by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not going to throw that label on him, but it wasn't the first-half guy that – you felt like it could lead you to some wins. It felt like he needed more support, more complimentary football since that injury, whatever he was dealing with, and that complimentary football just wasn't there to provide a kind of cushion. And let's face it, neither was the run game at any juncture, and and, and that bit them in a big way.
1: Well, he's he's at his best when he's moving and shaking and doing some things, yeah. and 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 he was doing that what all up until the second quarter of the Iowa game obviously a terrible situation in terms of the injury there, which kind of, you know, you, that's where you start that pitfall or whatever, the waterfall or whatever you want to call it uh, for the 2021 season, and that's how you end up seven and five. And that's really unfortunate that it, that so much of that falls on his shoulders when you can talk about the criticism of the quarterback room as a whole of, of, of trying to figure all that stuff out, which is not a, you know, it's not a conversation for a post-game podcast. But again, w- when you go out and you say things, over and over again, in terms of he's a warrior, who has gone out and battled and things like that. That stuff's great, um, but in, in, a, in a losing effort, it's it's kind of just talking at times. And I feel bad saying that, um, but that's really kind of where it's at with Sean Clifford right now. And is is he the guy that gets you over the hump? We'll, we'll talk about a potential six year and things like that. But it, it, it's really um, it's, it's really unfortunate to see it played out this way because you you talk to him after the game and you you, you feel you, you just genuinely feel for him. Um, in terms of the, the the effort that he's put in to get back where he needed to be and you know he's he's done a lot of things to uh to to make this team sort of rally around him but you, you keep coming up short and that's that's really unfortunate to see uh, moving down the list on the defensive side of the ball Brandon Smith man i just uh you, you keep seeing the same things over and over again and that's really tough i mean t- tremendously talented kids got all the measurables and and the testing numbers and all that kind of stuff in the world but you know, he's he's got guys running past him every week, and that's tough to watch. Um, you know, it's his simple breakdown stuff. Um, uh, do you want to say he's the biggest disappointment? I mean, this is a really good defense, but, you know, you thought that that he could take this team uh, or this defense from a really good defense to a, a great to elite-type defense, and, and, and really it's been – it's been frustrating to watch because you—it's one of those guys where you know the talent's there, and it just hasn't shown up, and he doesn't have his feet under him, and then all of a sudden the guy gets past him, and that's been—that's been really tough to watch. And conversely, Curtis Jacobs looks like a different difference maker on the other side. Uh, you know, playing that Sam linebacker, kind of all over the place and finishing plays, and that's really what it comes down to when you're comparing the linebacker play um, in the 2021 season. It's—it's it's finishing plays, and Curtis Jacobs is doing it. And Brandon Smith is struggling to do it.
0: Game record is what they need at that second level. Thought they might have that this year, um, hasn't materialized that way over the course of these twelve games consistently enough to to, to label anybody a game record in that linebacker group. Maybe next year, uh, but it's been a couple years now, and, and is and it's been a, a, a problem. Um, and obviously, they had one of the best game records in all college football and now in the NFL. So that, that that's a high bar, but. You set a high bar when we're talking about five-star material, top linebacker in the eyes of top 24-7 sports. I don't know what, where it's going to go next for Brandon Smith. he's Year three, year two as a starter here. Um, we did see him pop up over the course of the season on, on some potential first-round board conversation pieces, but it certainly feels like a guy to me that would benefit greatly from coming back, and I would imagine Penn State would as well if they can take positive strides together um, with him at linebacker.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that, and I know it's it's been frustrating to watch. But uh, yeah, you you take another year out of Brandon Smith, especially considering the numbers that you have coming back at linebacker, and you have to replace a guy like Ellis Brooks that's played a lot of football there. um You know, speaking of high expectations, the running back room, you got us, you you, you got us. Uh, hook, line, and sinker over the summer, you got us, um and it just wasn't as good as it needed to be. Kevon Lee, fifteen carries, seventy nine yards today, it was your best effort, but just not not a whole lot of pop in that room, no matter who's out there.
0: This. I mean, in covering the team since 2017, maybe the most surprising thing that that I've seen from this Penn State team was just the, you know, complete clunker of a of a year from that running back room. And there's a lot that you can tie to it, and we will. And we talked about the intense scrutiny that's on this offensive front, and that also, uh, you know, you got to carry over to the offensive coordinator is coming up with the game plan and, and coming up with the approach, and in charge of adjusting and evolving as the season goes on. But the end results were. Keevon Lee kind of, sort of ended up as your main back for the final stretch. Didn't do anything that that sends him into the offseason or into the bowl season as, you know, that ascending explosive player that we thought he might be this year. He's the guy that just ended up with the most touches. Um, Noah Kane got involved a little bit today, but really just a non-factor for much of the year for someone who got a high volume uh, of touches. And, and Devin Ford resurfaced a bit here late. John Levitt, like you said, just feels like a – a bit of a whiff uh, in terms of the transfer portal. They 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 had some big hits, but just didn't work out for either side of that equation. And that's been pretty apparent here in recent weeks. Um, and lastly, I Holmes, who finished strong last year and uh, was relegated to a redshirt season this year. And so those are your five former four-star recruits that back in August, I was telling you all about who the heck is going to get the ball and how many are going to need the ball. And Who's going to win the race to 500 yards, and will they do it by mid-October? And I don't know what the final totals here are for for rushing yardage, but going into the matchup, Sean, they went from averaging 3.9 yards per carry in 2020 to 3.2 yards per carry through 11 matchups here. Same running backs coach, same offensive line coach. Here's your result. Yeah,
1: and, and 2020 wasn't exactly a banner year to to hang those numbers for um for the for the average rushing. Um I will say it was good to see Devin Ford involved. Um, you yeah. know, even as just a kick returner. I don't know if it was maybe just the, the camera angle that they had for kick returns. He brought so he it. Like yeah, he, he looked like he had a little bit of wiggle and was and had some success there. And then um, like I said, would love it. That's been that's been tough to watch, especially over the last yes. couple of weeks. Um, but uh, we will see what happens. Nick Singleton's high school career is over, so maybe he's the guy that can come in and, and do it right away as a freshman, but we will see. Is he's going to be running behind an offensive line that's going to be fairly rebuilt, I think, and, and, and rebuilt with what pieces. Who knows? It's hard to say. I, I will say – From the offensive line struggles, and this is just a first look, haven't looked at the tape or anything like that. Most of that was interior. I thought the tackles were actually okay. There was one time that I tweeted that Bryce Hefner is going to need some help, and I think Bryce Hefner, if he is a tackle for Penn State, will need some help. But Caden Wallace, I thought, bounced back. Uh, Landon Tengwon when he was out there, was okay. Um, you don't want to have those four sacks, obviously, on on, on your person. But, uh, you know, some of that can be attributed to Sean Clifford. Um, ending on a higher note, uh, Kalen King made some plays today, I thought. Jalen Reed came out and was, was big in a blitz um, to force the fourth down that eventually ended up as a touchdown. So I guess that's probably a double-edged sword right there. Brenton Strange was involved again. And we'll go out on a high note. Jahan Dotson, I think everybody's going to miss Jahan Dotson. He's been Absolutely phenomenal for Penn State. Eight catches, 137 yards, two touchdowns, and he's still not a bullet in finalist, which is just absolute (laughs) crap. But here we are. Um, Jahan Dotson, uh, one of of those guys when he finished his career, you say, I had the pleasure of covering Jahan Dotson because he's been so freaking good.
0: And we have. uh, And that goes back to his high school career. I did not think it would end up this way, but always been a great guy to deal with. Look, we'll talk to him before the bowl and all that, but this is certainly the farewell tour at this point for Jahan Dotson. Um, I believe he moved into second all-time in career touchdown catches today for Penn State with, with numbers 24 and number 25. He's at this point, Sean, somewhere between 2 and 5 on every meaningful statistic that a receiver has produced at Penn State. And he has just come so far from freshman year. Unfortunately, felt like there was room to get him involved more today. Maybe he would have gotten 200 yards receiving uh, one of those what ifs about this matchup. And it's been a season of, of kind of what ifs, unfortunately, here for Penn State. Sean, we're still waiting on the bowl. We got about a week for that. Expecting big things from the transfer portal. We're a couple weeks away from recruiting trail. So we got a lot going on coming out of this matchup. We don't know who the next opponent is but we don't quite know when we're going to be talking to the good people who listen to this podcast quite yet.
1: Yeah, uh, we'll work on the schedule and figure <laughs> out what we're doing next week. Uh, yeah. Penn State's coaches will start going on the road on Sunday recruiting. We'll take a little bit of break and then get back in for bowl prep um, in December. But, uh, yeah, we'll we'll be back at you next week. I'm just not
0: sure when. Yeah, thanks to Mark Brennan for holding it down for us um, out at the game in East Lansing today, snowy East Lansing. uh, For Sean Fitz and our producer Lance Glenn, Uh, I'm Tyler Donahue. It's been fun joining you for these post-game podcasts. A lot more fun early in the season than late in the season, but appreciate everyone for tuning in every step of the way. Our next one will be after whatever bowl game Penn State ends up in. We'll have a revamped schedule, but we'll be back with more podcast episodes in the upcoming week. Stay with us right here on the Lions 24-7 podcast.
2: Okay, picture this.